When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I loved this movie when it came out. I remember just finding it incredibly moving. I bought the DVD and then I proceeded to not watch it for over a decade. <laughs> so when I was looking back um, at movies that I might want to talk about, what I mostly remembered about Closer is not so much the emotional damage everyone does to each other in the movie, but mm. the fact that I thought the movie was incredibly theatrical. Mm. It might be the most theatrical um, movie I've ever seen, huh. um, which makes sense because it's based on a play uh, by Patrick Marber um, and the director, Lee McNichols, someone who is well-known for directing movies and theater. So I wanted to watch it again and to see if I felt any differently about it, um, if it felt aesthetically different, and of course to see if it felt emotionally different. Welcome to Open Forum. I'm Michael Denzel Smith. Dan meets and instantly falls for Alice. After turning Alice's life into a novel, Dan meets and falls for Anna, photographer. Anna meets Larry, whom she eventually marries, though she and Dan carry on an affair for almost a year. Dan and Alice break up, Anna and Larry do as well. Larry tries to sleep with Alice. Alice's real name is not Alice. This week's film is Closer, and it was chosen by Esme Wai-Jun Wang, author of the New York Times bestseller and winner of the Grey Wolf Nonfiction Prize, The Collected Schizophrenias. I came away from the movie feeling like it's mostly more enjoyable if you pretend you're watching a high-budget play. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. In what ways do you mean that? So, I think I could tell it was based on a play when I first saw it before I knew it was based on a play. Okay. Um, I think something I'd love to talk about at some point during this conversation is the points at which this movie deviates from the play, because mm. there are a couple of scenes in the play that aren't in the movie. Okay. Um, but I could tell that the movie was based on a play because of there was something about the dialogue that seemed mm. very much like a play to me. And I actually looked this up, and I'm going to get really geeky for a second. Um, there's a kind of dialogue in ancient Greek plays called Stipomythia, and this kind of dialogue that's like snappy, like I would snap my fingers right now, mm-hmm. but I don't have that skill. Um, <laughs> that kind of snappy dialogue that goes back and forth and um, has very short lines um, mm. is uh, a 
is reminiscent of that kind of dialogue. It's usually used with repetition and disputes, and this movie mm-hmm. is full of disputes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I never heard that term before, but you're absolutely right in sort of the way that it, I, I had never seen it. And so I immediately clocked, yeah, this is very much like a play. I felt that, you know, um, from this sort of settings and set dressing very much feels like it's based in theater that like we, we don't, like it's, it's adapted obviously, but like all of the major sort of, uh, plot movement all happens in these like feels like what could very much be sets that you could set up on a stage and like be believable enough right um but then in terms of the actors and interactions it's like they are playing to the back of the house even though it's Mm -hmm. being filmed right like it's very Mm -hmm. much like they're they're doing things that feel like I feel like film actors are so, always sort of trying to capture a naturalness where everyone here is sort of trying is trying to exaggerate and do the things yeah. to be able to get people that that like are don't have as good a seats to be able to understand the action that's going on. Yeah, I found that when I was making um, notes about the movie as I was watching it, you can really divide the scenes into just these like two person kind of set pieces, mm-hmm. you know, Dan and Alice, and Dan and Anna, and Dan and Larry, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's usually just two people. Um, it's interesting what you said about playing to the back of the house, these kind of um, settings, because something I learned while I was kind of doing a little bit of research is that in the play, the sets are purposely designed to be extremely minimal. Mm. So they'll just be like one bench, but not like a bunch of big trees and you know, stuff like that. It's just, it, it's meant to be very, very minimal. Yeah. Um, which is why I kind of feel like this is a high budget play where they <laughs> take the actors and they put them in these, you know, a big aquarium or like a gorgeous park or, you know, city block. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that the, the, the high budget play, um, sort of, uh, characterization there. And, and I think that's also reflected to me in what the story is right like it's a very simple story and it is one of my favorite i again i had never seen it before this i'd kind of seen the like on the algorithm it would come up you know on on my sort of netflix or whatever but i never watched it but it is some of my favorite form of entertainment which is just messy white people um yes. and they yeah. They are the absolute messiest. I, I feel like I, watching this, we can get into the specifics of, of the characters themselves, but I was watching a bunch of people that don't like themselves and don't like the other people around them either. Yeah. It's interesting that you said the plot is kind of simple because I feel like the plot is actually super complicated to mm. me because I have a really hard time keeping track of all the relationships. Huh. Like everybody's cheating with everybody else and like fucking everybody else. And you know, it's, it's hard to keep track of who's sleeping with who at any given time. But I think the messy white people description is pretty apt. Yeah. Do you want to go for it? The plot? Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's interesting. It's so it's Jude Law's character, Dan meets, 
this young woman on the street and she's visiting uh in london she gets hit by a taxi and but the whole time they'd been like staring at each other from across the street and like they're we can see that they're supposed to be falling in love in this very moment right? as damien rice's the blower's daughter plays <laughs> very dramatically yes um and though and so she gets hit by the taxi and then he's very kind and takes her to the hospital where she gets stitched up and they have this sort of not even a meet cute i don't feel like it's cute the way that they've met it's very it's anti-rom-com in that way but uh you know he's dating someone but then they suddenly start dating and then we flash to a year later that they've been dating and now dan meets this other woman anna played by julia roberts uh at his photo shoot for his book and he immediately falls for her uh, there's yeah, some <laughs> He's got a like. He's got some work to do. He's got to check on his feelings about how it is that he just falls for these women so immediately. Yeah. Um, but then she's not interested in part because she knows that he's dating this woman. She comes like uh, Natalie Portman's character, who we know as Alice, comes in and overhears this conversation between Anna and Dan, where he's basically just like, I want you, I gotta have you. Uh, But she turns him down. But then you fast forward to some time later, I think it's another year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where Dan has been consumed with thoughts of Anna for this entire year, and then cosplays as anna essentially on the internet uh, and catfishes larry uh played by clive owen and uh plays a joke on anna by getting larry to come out to meet anna at the aquarium through some uh pretty intense cyber sex <laughs> um, yeah cyber sex in which no one jerks off <laughs> Larry was close. He was ready to. He was at work, though. <laughs> yeah, he closed the blinds. He closed the door. You could tell he was, you know. Yeah, but improbably, and I think it's probably, for me, the most improbable part of this is that now Lara, Larry and Anna, I just combined their names in that moment, but Larry and Anna. That's their after, ship name. Right, <laughs> as they meet in this situation, start dating and eventually get married. And I, I, I find that the most improbable in that, look, I don't think, like, I personally obviously am not here for uh, any sort of, like, shaming of people who have kinks or want or meet up on the internet. Like, that's the way that we do things now. 2004 is maybe a different time. But the way that they were interacting in which, like, Larry was so forward in, like, recounting all of the disgusting things that had been said, it's just like... Is this woman about to fall for this man? Okay, there are two things that I have to say about this. First of all, it is funny that they fall in love and get married. But I think what is even more strange is if you meet someone on the internet through cybersex and then you arrange to meet in an aquarium, (laughs) aquariums are really big. And he just, like, finds this woman sitting on a bench and then decides she must be the one I was cybersexing with. Look, I've been in many aquariums in my life, <laughs> and I, if I knew that I had to meet a woman and start talking about all the stuff we were doing in a cyber sex chat room, I 
would want to be more sure as to who this person was um, before I just approached a rando. Maybe a little more sure. Like maybe have had a you know specific place that you were going to meet somewhere yeah. that in the aquarium where you knew there wasn't going to be a lot of foot traffic. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a striped sweater or something. 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 He was like, "This woman is hot. This must be it." <laughs> yes, the the only beautiful woman walking through the aquarium or like in the <laughs> aquarium. <laughs> and the other great line. So you mentioned the internet. I just want to quote this line because I think it's great. Um, Clive Owen, as they're kind of wandering around flirting, does say the internet is the future, mm-hmm. which I think is great considering this is a 2004 movie. It's 2004, which I, I think there, there, there's something to that whole interaction where, you know, yeah, uh, Jude Law's character does catfish Clive Owen's character before we have the term for it, but it's like the fear that I think has, has always permeated internet culture is that you don't know who you're talking to on the other side of the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and Larry, I think Larry's screen name is just like Doctor or something <laughs> like that. Like he's very, it's, it's just him. It's just him. It's just him. There's an innocence to him in that moment where he's just like very trusting that this person is who they say they are. And I don't think that in 2004, I mean... I was, what, 17. I don't think that I operated that way, that, like, I just believed that these that everyone was, like, I think we'd, we'd been inundated with enough stories to just be like, no, no one is who they say they are on the internet. Here's the truth. So now you can hate me. Larry fucked me all night. I enjoyed it. you now go it's like they live in a really small town and there's only like two other people in the town so if you want to cheat you have to cheat with this those people which just which also is sort of like i i feel like their worlds are bigger than (laughs) these other people and that's what gets at me with with respect to like how they treat each other feeling like no one actually likes the other person. They're all using each other, which may just speak to something else that like this movie's trying to get at is just the messiness of our interpersonal and romantic and sexual relationships where maybe the, the you know, the writer of this play and then uh, screenplay is sort of saying like there is an sort of an inherent exploitation. And I do think that there's sort of something getting at that with respect to the way um, Anna and Dan were talking about his career. Um, you know, he talked, he, he wrote the book uh, that he's publishing within a year of meeting Anna and it's sort of based or Alice uh, based on her life. And she, uh, Julia Roberts, Anna asks, you know, how does she feel about you, you know, stealing her life? And it's like, He's like borrowing, and but whether or not it's stealing or borrowing, there's something exploitative that it feels like is happening, and that's sort of at the crux of all of these relationships. It's like there's something that I need to extract from you. It's interesting too because Anna takes a portrait of Alice when she's crying about her relationship, and mm. that portrait ends up becoming one of the cornerstones of this big exhibition she has. So then you've got um, Alice 
her face is blown up very big um, in this exhibition. She's also a stripper. Um, I think this was one of Natalie Portman's first kind of, you know, let's look at Natalie Portman as an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she's got this um, pink wig, which I also am wearing right now. Um, (laughs) And she's got uh, these these strip club scenes. Um, But yeah, I think uh, exploitation and romantic relationships. And I think another theme that I kept picking up on was the idea of is the truth really what people want Mm. or when should we give people the truth Mm. um at various points in the film people seem to demand the truth from their romantic partners but it usually doesn't turn out the way they would like yeah there's that scene with uh Larry and Anna, after uh, she's admitted to this affair with Dan, where they finally finally go around the flirtation and, and like are, are having an affair, but they've been carrying on for a year without letting their respective partners know, and they then come and, and come clean uh, to e- each of them starts to come clean, and Larry just starts demanding like the most intimate of details he's like was he better than me where did you fuck when like how did he fuck you like all of these different very specific things about like all of the details of how this happened and none of it is satisfying for him like but he's demanding it and anna can't wrap her mind around why he's demanding it either and his only explanation in the moment is i'm a caveman yeah yeah i mean i think the there are many one-liners in this film that are memorable, but I think "Like You But Sweeter" mm-hmm. is uh, is one that will stick with me, and I will. I, I don't have to go into details about how that comes up. <laughs> people can use their imagination. It's a pretty like direct and vicious dig, especially in the heat of an argument like the one they were having. Um, yeah, but it, it it is speaking to what you're saying, it, and I think that that when you're, you're talking about like the truth and whether or not like everyone wants the truth all the time, it's at that moment that he stops it, right? Like he, he receives that and, and hears it. And it's like, well, I think I've gotten too much now. I think I, I and dug. That's my- when he calls her a slag. And yeah. Really lays into her. Cause mm-hmm. he hasn't until that point. Yeah. He hasn't like, He's revealing a lot of himself in that. He like he the what sparks it all is he reveals that he cheated on her right when he was out on uh, out of town on, on business. Uh, but it's like here's the character sort of fully coming out as himself because he's really an awful person, right? Like he does some yeah. really awful <laughs> things later too that we can get into. But that's what I mean when when I'm saying like I think that these this is this is a story of people that don't like themselves and i think that that's a lot of what like larry is wrestling with it's clear that he the or at least to me that like he wants these details not because it like will help him to process what has happened here and process the affair but he needs to hear her say that he's sweeter he needs to hear that because it's confirmation for him that he's a piece of shit yeah and the reason uh, Alice leaves 
uh, Jude Law's character, Van, and at the very end, is also due to the fact that he keeps pushing for the truth, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to give it to him. And as soon as he gets it from her, and then says, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. what you've just told me, it doesn't matter. She falls out of love with him, or at least that's how it's how that scene happens, mm-hmm. is that they're very happy, they're, they're getting ready to go on a flight to New York, um, they've been together for a while, but once he gets this thing out of her that she didn't want to give him, uh, she she lets go of the relationship, she's like, get out of here, like, I'm done. Which is also interesting, um, I think this scene right after the one that we were just talking about with... Um, Clive Owen's character and Anna, um, he goes uh, and happens to, like I said, this is the smallest town, <laughs> um, happens to go to the strip club where Alice is working. Yeah. And in this scene, the truth that he wants to cry out of her, he thinks, mm-hmm. is her real name. Yeah. And so she keeps saying her name is Jane. And he's really, he gets progressively more upset because mm-hmm. he's like, no, I know your name is Alice, but he doesn't know, and I guess what the viewer doesn't know, is that her name really is Jane. Um, yeah. We learned this at the very end of the movie. Um, but she keeps saying, my name is Jane, and he keeps giving her more money. He's tucking more money into her barter to, to get the, what he thinks is the real truth mm-hmm. out of her. And she is giving him the truth, but he doesn't, it's not what he wants. It's not what he wants, and I also sort of felt in the revelation that, like, that was her actual name, and she's giving it or going by it uh, as a stripper. I don't know that the mil- the film is particularly progressive on, like, sex work politics, <laughs> yeah. but there's something to the idea of uh, Natalie Portman's Alice slash Jane uh, lying to everyone else right lying in her everyday life like presenting this character and then being her truest self in the very place where she's like there where there's an expectation that she be playing a character and that like here she's where she's there's there's an expectation of performance like she is herself or like her most free self or, or something. Yeah. I, I think it also um, says something about maybe control and mm-hmm. the ways in which we control what truths we reveal. Yeah. Um, like she is basically really giving, well, not really, he's giving her money, but um, she's giving him her real name in that scene. At the very end, she doesn't want to give Jude Law the truth of whether or not she slept with Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's she wants it to be her decision, is how I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not she gives the truth over. Um, and that's how I saw those two scenes. Get a lot of grown men crying their guts out here? Occupational hazard. Have you ever desired a customer? Yes. Well, put me out of my misery. Do you desire me? Because I'm being pretty fucking honest about my feelings for you. Your feelings? Whatever. No, I don't desire you. Thank you. Thank you sincerely for your honesty. 
and I think you're right that there's that she's it feels like she's running away in the very beginning of this film uh, for reasons that aren't necessarily like extrapolated on. She's not it's not really clear. She just sort of says a guy. Um, but there's something that she it, seemingly she's lost control of her life back in New York. And now she comes here for this fresh start and like she gives this false name and it's like, yeah, she's able to control her own narrative. She's able to control what people know about her. Like she says, you know, uh, to, to Jude Law's Dan there in, in that scene that you're talking about, uh, that no one sees her passport photo, right? And like, you know, we're, we're sort of like in that moment just led to believe like, oh, it's maybe it's just like a photo that she's not particularly happy with. But what it is, is like, here's the name that like is her real name. Here's a, a picture of her and like who she actually is. But she doesn't want people to have access to that. Like she's she's here to live the way that she wants to or feels most authentically doing so. In that strip club scene, it's one of the most famous lines from the movie, which is um, Clive Owen says to her, tell me something true. Mm. And her response is, lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off, but it's more fun if you do. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like kind of sums up this, this kind of truth game that's going on. In, um, in the movie. What did you make of Dan as a character? Dan is, <laughs> again, I don't, I don't think any of them like themselves. And it's like, <laughs> it, he, may, he may be the most self-loathing in that, I, one, again, I don't, he's got to do some work on himself because he <laughs> falls in love so immediately and feels like he just like... Um, basically can't live without these women that he's met in in the most immediate sense and like within moments of like interacting with them or speaking to them and i think that that reflects again when i say like i don't know that he likes them because he doesn't know them at all he's like got this infatuation going um and and also that like he he's fine with the fact like or I think that a critical scene for Dan is when he confronts Larry, Clive Owen's character. And it's just kind of like, won't you leave her alone? And, it, and it's like... Oh, her, hers meaning... Um, meaning Anna, Anna as they're... Yeah, yeah they're, they're together. And it's after Larry has done one of his most despicable things, um, in which he's refused to sign divorce papers with Anna unless she sleeps with him one last time. Um and, and somehow this has coerced her into getting back into a relationship with him. Yeah. So I, I, have, well, I want to point that out as well, because to me that is very strange. It's very strange. Anna makes some very strange decisions when it comes to Larry. Um, but also maybe this is, again, supposed to be reflective of just, like, people who do make like odd choices uh, i'll use that as euphemism here uh in their romantic relationships and, and, and entanglements but i think in that scene where dan confronts him he just breaks down as like please leave her alone 
when it feels like he's not the issue here. The issue is whether or not like you can repair with Anna for her to not feel like the like Larry is some option to her. And then like you have to talk to her about why that feels like something that she, she continues to choose in the way that she chooses it. And and it feels like he thinks that the the real confrontation is with like that alpha in quotes version of himself when he's a beta and it's just like the competition between men when it's like no you need to be working on the ties that like are that are bonding you and anna yeah i i feel like jude law's character becomes increasingly pathetic throughout the film it Mm -hmm. seems like he, he kind of shrinks into himself in the beginning, he's this very handsome. Like this is Jude Law, kind of at the height of his handsomeness. Yeah. Um, he, this is before his receding hairline starts <laughs> happening and stuff like that. No, no um, love to the receding hairlines. No, one of them. I mean, it's mean, like back when he was still playing these like playboy types, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, before he started playing um, the uh, the husband who was cheated upon in Anna Karenina. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I think what's interesting uh, is that there's actually a missing scene before that scene huh. um, that was in the play. And it's a scene between the women, which rarely happens in this movie. Um, there's a scene where um, Anna and Alice are comforting each other. Mm. And I wonder why mm. it was taken out of the movie, because in the scene, they comfort each other and... Um, uh, Alice finds out that Dan calls out Buster in his sleep, which is his nickname for her. And it's interesting because that gets changed in the movie. Clive Owen, in that scene with Jupa in the doctor's office where, where Dan is trying to you know, convince him to quote-unquote give Anna back, um, he kind of gives him the zinger of like, Anna told me, or was it Anna or Alice? Um, yeah, Anna told me that uh, you call out for your mother that night in your mm. sleep. And so they changed it to his mother as opposed to Alice. Interesting. I, I, like, hearing you talk about the scene that's deleted between Anna and Alice and they're, so, and they're comforting each other, I, like, I think because the film version, is, I'm, I'm not familiar with the play at all, but the film version does feel like they they need you to believe that Anna and Alice are somehow in the wrong at different points so that like Larry and Dan's actions can be justified in some way so that you can be, like that everyone's at fault right like everyone has done something destructive and i'm not saying that they haven't here but I definitely think Dan and Larry are more at fault for the <laughs> things that happen in this film. Um, but if you see, I think if you were to see Alice and Anna talking to one another and telling each other the truth and being comforting to one another, then you kind of like they become not blameless, but at the very least, you you can get more empathy for those two women as characters 
where now with, with that removed, it's like, no, but everybody has done something fucked up here. Everyone's actions has led to some other calamity. Which is also interesting. I mean, I, I'm sorry to keep referring to the play, but there's really actually no. two main things that are missing from the movie that are in the play. Mm-hmm. And so one of them is that scene I was just talking about where the two women comfort each other. But the ending is also so different. Mm. So in the the way we see the movie ending is uh, kind of, you know, Anna and uh, Larry are together again. Um, you see Alice walking down the street in New York and all these men keep turning their heads mm-hmm. and that Damien Rice song is playing again. What happens in the play is that Anna and Larry um, are together. Alice has died in New York while crossing the street. Oh. Um, Larry uh, is now dating a young nurse. And then Dan talks to Anna about how he's going to go to New York and ID and is Alice's body. And then Dan leaves. Huh. So that's the end of the play. But I feel like with that ending, again, like the women seem to be having these kind of tragic experiences mm-hmm. that they're not necessarily having in the movie. That, yeah, like they're, it, it's. It's that they are also participants in the awfulness, right? Like, I don't know a better way to put it. It's that, like, the film wants you to really situate them as equally as awful uh, as as uh, Larry and Dan when I just don't feel that way at all, right? Like, Anna, in the beginning, Anna's minding her business. Like, she's just... She's, she's just, doing her job. Doing her job, and here comes this man, like telling her, like I have to have you, like all of this stuff, and being very, pretty deceptive in that moment, right? Like he doesn't reveal for a while that he's dating someone, uh, and then like does like she she comes there, and he continues this conversation, even though Anna has stated, like, look, I'm not going there with you, but he's he pursues her, he stalks her. He says, I will not stalking, I'm lurking, but that's stalking, right? Lurking is a nicer way of saying stalking. They're both pretty bad. They're bad. And Larry, like, Larry obviously, like, it was very obvious the way that Larry's awful. Like, the way that he's throwing money at uh, Alice and demanding her real name and, like, talking to her and just, like, "I, I I gotta have you again. And only wanting her as a revenge, as revenge against Dan, right? Like, and, ha- and having sex with her as revenge against Dan, and the way that he then coerces Anna again into having sex with him, and then somehow you've got to believe that Anna would want to continue a relationship with him, that they they end up together in the end. And the only way to do that is to believe that Anna is also awful. And it's like, where's the evidence that she is as awful as you, you, you say she is? Like, yes, yeah, she continued an affair with Dan uh, during that time where she got married to Larry. No, no, make, no making excuses there. But is she as awful as like what Dan and Larry have done throughout the film? No. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, especially given the fact that both Dan and Larry 
either threaten physical violence against the women mm-hmm. or actually do physical violence yes. against women in the movie. And it, they're both really intense parts. Um, Dan hits, at, right? Dan hits Alice at the end. He does at the, the end, right before she the hotel yeah. room. Um, does Larry hit Anna or because he almost does, and then Anna says, "I've been hit before." Yes. Um, and yeah, I think he says something like, "What did you think I was going to hit you?" And then she says, "Yeah," and he's before. like, "Like." What kind of basically like what kind of person do you think I am? And I'm in that moment I'm like, the kind of person that would hit her. I think that that's who you are. Oh, she does say okay, so he does say, um, you treat me like a whore, and then he says, Now why would I do that? Mm-hmm. But there's this kind of implication of the way he had sex in yes. that scene, um, versus the way that Jude Law has sex. Yeah, she tells him uh you know, when he's like, is he better? She says different. And then she says gentler. Yeah. That he's like, uh, very much not taking her pleasure into consideration at all. Mm-hmm. Which seems to track with the rest of their relationship. I think Anna is meant to seem to be seen as at least somewhat awful in that scene because she's, you know, just slept with Dan and he's come home from a business trip. Uh, sorry, when I say he, I mean Larry has come home from a business trip. Mm-hmm. And he's saying all these grandiose things about her and how wonderful she is and how he's getting to come home to his wife. And not only that, but he bought a postcard <laughs> of her art at the MoMA to help boost her sales because a postcard boosts a person's sales yeah, a lot. Yeah, a single and, postcard. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's very much enthusiastic. And then, uh, and then she uh, kind of makes this reveal that she's been cheating on him for a year. So mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to kind of do what you're saying in terms of doing the work of making Anna seem horrible. How do you feel about him using your life? It's really none of your business. When he let me in downstairs, he had this look. I just listened to your conversation. I don't know what to say. I'm not a thief, Alice. How are we supposed to believe that Alice is horrible? Well, I think Alice is supposed to be horrible. One, she, she's like, I think you're, you're supposed to believe she's like this young, like wayward, as she would describe herself, waif uh, mm-hmm. during this whole thing because she does, like she comes in and says she was a stripper. And I think that that's already code for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That she's just a deceptive person. She's untrustworthy. Um, and that, you know, and then I think, you know, at the, toward the end there, right? Like she sleeps with, uh, Larry and it's like, no, she's also in on the revenge game. Like she hates Dan so much for what she, he's done to her that she's also trying to get revenge on him. And so she's just as bad an actor as everyone else because like, and it's like, well, Dan has Dan has already set this precedent and like now <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Oh, and there's also the whole idea that, that she is a heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. So when the, she first meets Dan and they start their relationship, she talks about how she's always the one who leaves. Um, you know, uh, even when uh, Dan tells her that he's been sleeping with Anna and that he's going to end the relationship, she says, uh, you know, I've been you. And also, um, you know, I'm the one who's supposed to leave. No one will ever love you as much as I do. Which I, I, that scene, I think, had the biggest impact on me when I mm. first saw this movie. It just stuck with me so intensely how incredibly torn apart emotionally um, Alice seems in that mm-hmm. scene where she's sobbing and kind of desperately grabbing hold of him. Um, I just remember that scene making a big yeah. impact on me. Can you talk a little bit about that? You were talking earlier um, when you were saying why you chose this film. Uh, you wanted to see whether or not you, your feelings had changed about it aesthetically or emotionally. Like, what was the emotional attachment then? And, like, has it changed in, in what ways, if, if it has? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I went out um, with some friends for the first time since, uh, since we all got yeah. vaccinated. And I was mentioning to a friend that, um, that I was going to be talking about closer with you. Mm. And she was like, first was Valentine and now closer. <laughs> like, are you just going for the most devastating movies possible? And it's interesting because in watching closer now, as opposed to, you know, about 13 years ago or mm-hmm. so, um, Wait, is it 2004? Um, 17. Gosh. Okay. Um, uh, I feel like the movie had much less of an emotional impact on me mm. than it did back then. And I think in part it did because I couldn't get over the fact that it felt so theatrical. Mm-hmm. Just the way people talked, the way people interacted. I kept seeing it as like Julie. Now Julia Roberts is arguing mm-hmm. with Jude Law. Now Clive Owen is, you know, arguing with you know mm-hmm. Jude Law. Um, I kept seeing the actors and not the characters they were supposed to be playing, and that's why I kept thinking that I would enjoy it so much more if I pretended, or if I pretended I was watching it on stage, because when you watch things on stage, there's already that sense of artifice yes. that's like very direct. You are in your seats, and the people are on the stage, and you can see them in front of you. Um, whereas I think a movie, there's supposed to be uh, much less of that kind of wall between you and the actors. And mm-hmm. and with the actors in this movie behaving so unnaturally, mm-hmm. it just didn't have as much of an impact on me. Yeah. Did it have an emotional impact on you? Because this is the first time you've seen it. I think I was I was thinking through um does it have an emotional impact on me it it definitely had me co- making considerations as an adult moving through adult relationships right where I I'm seeing people like you were saying earlier with the theme of the truth I'm seeing people either demand it or be afraid of it and how that like has been true of myself in past relationships. Um, 
and and wondering where that comes from. I think that you know this is very contained film. There's not too much backstory, but from any of these characters, except maybe Alice, like has a little bit. Um, but I think that there there's something there of like the worry or concern or desire to know like how we establish these relationships to the truth within our person interpersonal romantic and sexual relationships uh and what's so fearful about that kind of vulnerability in which you like let yourself be known uh fully and completely which is something that i think alice and Alice portman's character wants to control and wants to 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 rest from everyone else or rest from the world um but i think it was less of an emotional impact than it was a sort of cerebral like examination of how these things play out uh, where whereby like what ha- what does happen when you are deceptive right like what does what does it mean to be okay with a deception like do you is it a presumption of deception on the part of everyone that you meet like trying to suss that out and like and see the implications in my own life uh in relationships and and try to because yeah like i'm in a relationship now in which like sorry i'm getting really personal now but it's where it's just it's like okay i have been deceptive in past relationships what does it mean to like be fully honest what does it mean to like talk through my feelings as opposed to the idea of like dealing with the thing dealing with things with all of the you know the the tools that i've become accustomed to that haven't been healthy and it feels like you have this mix happening here in this film that like it's not clear what what the best course is and so i'm like okay so are we saying that truth does truth doesn't give us the outcomes that we hope for it to um then what does what is what is the magic formula yeah i um that makes me think of two things so one i can't remember which couple says this um but a couple in this movie there are so many couples i just forgot <laughs> yeah, but one of one couple says that like you know we establish that we're going to tell the truth to each other always mm-hmm. in this relationship i can't remember who i think that was um, larry and anna okay larry and anna and then um and then it also reminds me of i feel like I often see this question in advice columns where people Mm. ask, like, should I tell my partner that I cheated on them? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't plan on ever doing it again. And uh, it will only hurt them. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a common question I see in advice columns. And it's kind of, it speaks to me of this question of, is the truth always the best course in a romantic relationship? Yeah, and, and it's very relevant to this movie where everybody is having their infidelities. It's very relevant, and it's like this movie doesn't have an answer for you. <laughs> it's it's not like, and I don't think that there's like that there is a answer. There's only like what you desire and what you and your partner talk through and negotiate. Who did you think was the healthiest relationship 
the who has healthiest? a healthy relationship in this movie. Oh God! Like if you were like these two people who were Did together anyone? in this movie, they would have the best. <laughs> Did anyone in this really like? Did anyone? I don't know. I'm just curious. Who do you think? Oh God! I mean, I do feel like Anna seemed like a had like she had the potential for emotional maturity, but yeah, it's it's hard. I feel like everybody, as you said earlier, everybody's fucking up in this movie. Everyone's fucking up. I, you know, as I, as I think through that question and think about what you said earlier about the scene that was taken out of the play with Anna and Alice, like comforting each other, part of the reason that you've got to take that out is because, and like, you could come away from the movies being like, why don't Anna and Alice just get together? Because they're the (laughs) only like halfway healthy people here. Maybe they should give it a go. But they should at least be friends. Yeah. Why fight over these horrible men? Horrible <laughs> men. Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible men. Esme, what's one lasting image that sticks with you from closer? So I already mentioned the, the part that really stuck with me emotionally, which is the, the part where... Um, Alice is sobbing in Dan's arms, but I think that image, the visual image that sticks with me, is probably the one that most people associate with this movie, which is the one where Alice turns her head, she's in the strip club, and she's looking at um, Larry, and she's wearing the pink wig, Mm. and she just notices that he's there, because She's, she's watching something else, um, and he's kind of approaching, I think, in slow motion. Um, but yeah, just the image of, you know, Natalie Portman wearing this pink bob wig and looking, and that is the image that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for joining me. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Open Forum, a podcast from LitHub Radio, produced by Justin Alvarez and hosted by me, Michael Denzel Smith. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to Open Forum wherever you get your podcasts, and or sign up for the LitHub newsletter to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Next week, the classic teen slasher film genre, but with aliens. <laughs>